Welcome to Transform Now, the podcast brought to you by robotic process automation pioneer, SSNC Blue Prism. Digital transformation has the potential to reshape the way companies service their customers, engage their employees, and manage their operations. Whether you're looking to develop strategies, tactics, or best practices to positively impact the future of work, or you're curious to see how other companies have successfully navigated their digital transformation programs, then this podcast is for you. We're here to help you transform now. Hello, everyone. I'm Brad Hairston with SSNC Blue Prism. Welcome to the Transform Now podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to have three guests on the show from Office Depot, a leading U.S.-based office supply retailer and a Blue Prism customer. Joining me to talk about their automation journey are Michelle Dwyer, Jared Helta, and Lisa Howe. Let me extend a warm welcome to each of you. Thank you for being here. And let's kick this off with some introductions. Michelle, why don't you go first? This is Michelle. I have worked at Office Depot for over 20 years. I started in the audit organization and then I moved to IT and eventually came into finance where I managed the Oracle systems for the finance organization. I inherited the RPA program back in 2018 and I have been lucky to have an amazing team driving the success of my program. Oh, and this is uh, Jared Heltup, Senior Manager of Automation. I've been with Office Depot for over 20 years as well. Started in the contact center world and then moved over to finance. Where now I work with the automation team uh, really over the past seven years. My role is really to help facilitate the use of automation tools and bring ideas for process improvements. I kind of oversee the life cycle of an automation from the backlog to development into production and then ongoing support. And I'm Lisa Howe. I am the lead process automation consultant, and I am pleased to be a part of Michelle's team working with Jared to bring robots to all different facets of the ODP Corporation and Office Depot. I started doing automation in a call center environment with a aisle of computers in like 2003. I have been with the company for 25 years. It's been a great pleasure to see how automation has changed over the years and continue to add in new tools and technologies like ChatGPT into our environment. It's great to have all three of you here today. I've been hearing really good things about Office Depot and what you're doing with automation in your environment. So Michelle, maybe you could begin our conversation by just talking about Office Depot's automation journey up to this point. Can you summarize it for us? Our program started back in 2017, where we did a proof of concept in the finance organization with our business transformation team. We did a vendor analysis and we chose Blue Prism mainly because we felt it provided for automations that were a little more complex, and that's what we needed in finance. So it was really a bit finance-focused when we started the program. We started with three automations on five laptops that had to be babysat, right? And we have moved mm -hmm. on to over 46 virtual resources on an Azure cloud infrastructure with over 150 automations. This has really come a long way in the last six to seven years because we have a small team of only four people. So your initial sponsor, it sounds like, was finance and accounting, and that's primarily where you still are today. Yes, we still are within the finance organization. Gotcha. Lisa, let me ask you just about the industry 
that you guys are in. I mean, retail is known for its dynamic and rapidly changing trends. How does your automation team adapt your strategy to stay flexible and responsive to the evolving customer preferences and market conditions? Could you speak to that? Well, really with such a small team, what we had to do was build a very strong governance model. So we've integrated using contractors and in-house trained champions to learn the software and build their own automations. But by having an automation program where we explain how to use the tools, what tools are best for each scenario, uh, we're able to give that information a standard baseline and have all of these different areas of the company make use of our technology so that they can automate their various and sundry tasks and serve our customers internally and externally. We also even automated our own processes internally so that we're able to free up our time from manually scheduling meetings through Power Automate tools to using ChatGPT to help us formulate what we're sending out for notifications and meetings and even troubleshooting our code. And it helps us drive the priorities automatically by examining the value that people put in in our intake process and prioritizing the ideas that are the most valuable to the top of our list so that we can dedicate the appropriate resources to take on those projects. Okay. So Jared, as the retail landscape evolves, what do you think intelligent automation's role will be as it relates to the company's growth and customer engagement strategies? Sure. Yeah. So I'd say by partnering uh, with legal and other operations team at, at Office Depot, we really aim to leverage generative AI to foster customer interaction and participation in our customer programs. For example, our loyalty program. Say through the combination of analytics and that generative AI, our goal is to captivate their interest in our programs and drive them towards making purchases. I think we'd also like to further our use of other capabilities within the Blue Prism Capture software to gain visibility into our business processes and identify automation opportunities. Then with the standardized and accurate process design document, which we generate for all of our ideas, we can then build our automations faster and more effectively. And I'd love to know how you're measuring benefits and, and also communicating those to the organization. Could you touch on that as well, Jared? Sure, yeah. And so as part of our intake process, Lisa mentioned it before, but our governance model really is what requires the tracking and validation of those benefits, right? So these benefits can be in hours or dollars or even potential sales opportunities. And we also leverage a dashboard that we've created right, to summarize those benefits by team, by area, by type, or any other metrics uh, that the business may require. And to communicate the success, we keep our support by meeting regularly with the chief accounting officer and chief financial officer on benefits and progress. In those meetings, we highlight top ideas and contributors. And I'd say our leadership is very supportive of automation technology and have given the team time in town halls, executive team meetings, and, and other company newsletters. That's great to hear that you have a regular cadence with the CFO and the CAO to review and discuss the, those benefits. That's really impressive. How about on the business engagement side? Can you talk about how you maintain that, how you stay connected to the, the business and then uncover new automation opportunities? 
Well, I'll talk to that one a little bit. We enjoy focus groups with the different functional areas because we're spread out throughout the organization. We work with our stores. We work with the operations team that supports our call centers. We work with HR. We work with, of course, finance very heavily and all of the different flavors of finance with AP and AR. Since we are just a team of four people, we will meet with the individual champions that are trained in those areas and the key leaders. And we have focused sessions with them talking about how their robots are currently working. And we treat their robots really as a digital employee. So it's not like we build you a solution like IT and historically would build a product that is then launched into a production model and then it becomes static and is set that way and it's that way forever. Our model is more of here is another person that is on your team. Just happens to be a robot. It's fine. And the person can learn new things and can handle new challenges. And we discuss ongoing how business is fluctuating. Sometimes new challenges are introduced when you start automating something, you find new bottlenecks. So we have these meetings with them to really engage them and find new opportunities for automation or even elimination if there's something that we can no longer have to do because now we're being so efficient on one area, we can sometimes find other synergies and make those processes useful to the whole company. Speaking of the whole company, have you found that these focus groups have helped you get exposure to other functional areas at Office Depot that are maybe interested in uh, getting some automation themselves? Is that serving in that purpose as well? Definitely. Actually, this morning we had one of our big seminar sessions where we pulled all of our business leaders and champions together. And one of them spoke up and said, I'm sharing this video this week with this group over here that I don't think is doing any automation and I don't even think they know we're doing this. So, you know, that's one of the the best things. And really another thing we're hoping of having come out of this is even internally, we're going to share this podcast and hopefully we'll have some people notice it and maybe listen and say, hey, I didn't even know we did that. And we'll be <laughs> able to uh, engage them and help them automate as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. Michelle, let me ask you, are there any specific areas or initiatives on your horizon where you see the greatest potential for intelligent automation to make a significant impact? So Office Depot is no longer just Office Depot. We are called the ODP Corporation, and we've evolved as a company from just having a retail B2B office supply brands to having new services and supply chain and procurement technology. This is to keep us competitive. Retail is a difficult space and we need to stay competitive. So for me, we need new initiatives in these areas to help keep our cost low as we grow. We need to grow these businesses rapidly, but at the same time, we cannot take on a lot of costs being the small margins that we are within retail. We need to be able to you know, have automations that are going to leverage the cost efficiencies that they bring. And so this is an area for Office Depot that we would focus on most in the future. Anything to add, Jared or Lisa, in terms of where you see significant potential for automation in other areas of Office Depot? I, I think that the most significant place that we have is the, the hearts and minds of our champions because they constantly have that opportunity to look at other areas 
and say, oh, well, this pricing group, they don't have any automation and they are taking this amount of time to send me this piece of data that I need to do my process. Maybe they could have an automation to help with that. And by training internally and giving our own people that knowledge base to be aware of how the technology works and what it can do, they have that vision to take it out and share it. It's each one teach one and spreads the information across the organization so you can find those other opportunities and make them into reality. In your introductions, a couple of you mentioned that you have contact center experience in your background. Do you see that as an area of opportunity at Office Depot? I definitely feel like we do have more opportunities. We already are doing several automations within that space, but just the number of contacts that you have with a customer base in a retail environment, there's always going to be more opportunities. Probably some of our greatest wins have been captured through just if you can save a store manager one hour or a store associate yep. one hour, you saved so much time across the organization because there are so many stores. So it's really one of the highest areas of service. And of course, that also flows into the call center, which sits behind like back office support for our website and even for the stores. There's so many single tasks that if you can throw a robot even to do part of that work and support mm -hmm. those agents and save them time, you're making their lives easier. You're making it so they have more time to spend with the difficult customers. Not that the customers are difficult, but the problem that they're facing is difficult and they can really focus and, and work to fix those problems that require that human spark. And we can have the robots take on the mundane task of, I just didn't get my stuff. Just give me the credit. We can have somebody who doesn't have to have critical thinking do that and do the steps yeah. and they can be a digital worker on the team. Mm. Yes, they can. That's great stuff. Thank you, Lisa. I was just going to add there to on the context center. I know they're actively working uh, with some capabilities in Blue Prism and Decipher because I think they have some use cases that they're evaluating right now. So they are actively, you know, going through their processes to find those ideas. So it's happening as we speak, as they say. Very good. Lisa, could you talk about the intelligence skills that you have added to your digital workforce in order to be able to automate more complex processes and extend the value of automation across the company? Well, our program has a little bit of age on it since we did start so early. Mm -hmm. A lot of the functionality and the, the new technologies that Blue Prism has been building in, we haven't fully integrated yet into our toolkit, but because we were so early and we faced those challenges, we beat them ourselves internally by building our robot family, which is made up of several different characters. We have our first character that we built is Mom, Micro Operations Manager. And Mom is really our orchestration robot. And we have a configuration where we specify, okay, these are the machines, the virtual machines that are capable of running it, that have authentication to do these processes. These are the times of the week and the days that this process needs to run. And all of the expectations are built into this configuration. So then everything can just run and flow on our entire environment without us having to touch it <laughs> because we have mom watching over all of the robots, making sure they're all doing the exact same thing. And it also streamlines all of our scheduling. No one has to know what the schedule is because mom has that taped. She knows what the schedule is. She makes sure all of the robots are doing what they're supposed to be doing when they're supposed to be doing it, 
we just have to make sure the mom stays on and keep the lights on. And then we have another robot. The second robot in the family was sister. I know I should have made dad first, <laughs> but I did it. We, we, we're working on dad next. But sis is the process that goes in system integrated support. And she checks some of the things that we found ourselves taking a lot of our time, like monitoring if a particular website's password goes down and we have to check and see whether it's good. Maybe we have to reach out and get it unlocked. Maybe we have to monitor a mailbox and wait for an email to come back. So we have this other process that is called by mom to, to make sure that those passwords get updated and the processes can get running again. And again, without any human intervention, mom and sister just tag team on that and they work until they are sure that a process is ready to go back on schedule. And then the schedule is reactivated automatically and those processes can begin taking care of their records again. And so the next one is dad, of course, because we have down automation detector. He <laughs> lives in the same house as mom, looks at all the same reports and everything and, and knows what's supposed to happen. But he's going to tell on all of the bad children. <laughs> if the robot's not doing their job, then dad's going to bring that up at family dinner. And so that's really uh, the next step in our reporting journey is to have that automation monitoring at the exception level, detail level, which gives mm -hmm. us the ability to zoom in on what is really causing the problem and what we'll be able to see trends in this particular virtual machine is having a problem with this particular system, or maybe it's a trend across all of this, uh, the virtual machines, or maybe it's just a particular website that's causing issues. So this is the kind of thing that we're working on now. And the next addition to the family will be to who better to supervise robots than robots, right? I mean, that's uh, right. <laughs> genius, <laughs> genius. Yeah. A couple of you mentioned Gen AI or, or specifically chat GPT. How is that factoring in to the automation realm at Office Depot at the moment? So we have in-house digital assistant, the chat GPT platform, but built on our own data and, and secured mm -hmm. to our internal use. And our team uses it extremely heavily. Like I think I mentioned before, we do, and I think Jared also touched on it. We have templates and things that we've built with that software. We use it to troubleshoot. We use it to test code. We use it to check code. There are several initiatives also internally to expand the capabilities of our digital assistant. So we're looking for opportunities in our pipeline actively to try and find something that we can engage more with that software and make it more useful in our team. And we're, of course, very excited to see all of the roadmap items <laughs> coming up that are going to have that digital technology available through Blue Prism as well. Yeah. Office Depot is also adding a knowledge-based component to our mm -hmm. digital assistants. And hopefully, you know, what this takes is training it, like teaching and things, providing it lots of data so that the knowledge base can answer individual questions about our company that has more company-specific knowledge. Of course, I would hope that maybe we can get robots to train it because the training part yeah. is one of the hardest parts of generative AI. No doubt about that. Michelle, you and your team today have talked several times about how you educate other parts of Office Depot about automation and even help them develop the skills to be able to do automation um, on their own. So I would assume citizen development 
as a discipline is a key factor in growing your program. Is that true? Absolutely. And as Lisa alluded to earlier, we call our citizens in the RPA program champions. So we have strict governance rules and we want to ensure that our model can handle the volume. We don't open up the RPA software to everyone in the company. What we do is we have a customized training program for our champions where we invite select people about 15 a year and we train them on the tool and on our processes. This is very beneficial, right? Sure. For them to be trained on our processes, it's a huge investment of time that the team had to do to customize this training, but the payoff has been amazing. We get two benefits from the process. One, we ask that they bring their own idea to automate as part of the training. This Hmm. encourages them to take on that support role after training and own their digital employee. So if changes happen in the process, they're right there letting us know, working with us, and making the changes themselves. And then two, not everyone goes on to become a developer, right? But they like to take the training experience to kind of find out what it is. These people become the best advocates for our team. And Lisa mentioned this earlier. They're the ones that go out and bring us the new ideas from different parts of the company. We are a finance team, so we are a little bit limited in our scope. But this is where we can grow and bring in ideas from everywhere else. So we have about 50 champions and they have over 30 active processes in production that they did themselves. So this is an amazing program. Yeah. Yeah. Great props to my team because it takes their time to train them. And like I said, not just on Blue Prism, it's not just the basic Blue Prism training, but on our processes and they work with them. These champions reach out multiple times a month, you know, and ask for help. And the team supplies that help and keeps them engaged so that when we have events, several people show up, 30 to 50 people show up to these events and want the information and want to help support the program. I love the word champion over citizen, by the way. That's a really good word choice. And I really just love the way you described it, how these champions are your evangelists to the other parts of the company, how if if you get them going, they see the benefits of automation, that is going to drive more opportunity. It's going to build your pipeline and go from there. But just a little bit Mm -hmm. selfish, right? Because we have a small team of four people. And the only way we can grow is by basically taking resources from other areas, right? And having them be our champions, be our resources without them knowing they're our resources. I was just going to add to the the ongoing support of those processes helps us keep our eyes off. So they are engaged. They know their processes are run. They've developed them. So they keep an eye on them. So if something happens or if something changes in the process, it really helps us, right, not have to monitor those as much. And they're actively helping us monitor them. So that was a big win. Certainly. We are very proud of this program. So we felt that at Office, we've done a really great job with this program. The team is amazing for supporting this. That's great. I would love to hear a couple of success stories that show just how you're delivering value. Perhaps, uh, Jared, you could share one, and then Lisa would ask you to do the same if possible. 
Sure. Yeah. Interestingly enough, when we first started the program, we surveyed the teams for a good idea to start with. And one of the more successful ones that kind of solidified the program was our chargeback process. And our a chargeback is when a customer disputes a charge on their credit card mm -hmm. to provide backup evidence to the customer or, or potentially lose that sale. We were able to reduce costs of paying a third party to perform those steps versus a bot with the same level of success and recovery. And really this gave us insight into really what was possible and not just automating, but improving process steps along the way. The old process was really disjointed and by leveraging the bot in the standard manner to gather data, build those case notes, provide info back to the credit card provider, all manual steps that the team was doing, we were able to make that process more efficient and reduce costs. Nice. I love it. I have a, a good example from Chargebacks, which was one of our initial proof of concept that was running on one of the laptops that had to be babysat. We actually found a process in our store operations environment that was leading into a lag that we were losing Chargebacks because we didn't have approval on a credit. And so we researched and talked in to our store managers and said, when you don't approve this credit, we're losing the sale and we're hmm. getting a fee because we could just give them their money back, but now we're giving their money back. And sometimes we give it to them twice because the credit then will come through. So the credit card company is like, hey, you gave them their money back after I took it. You're out of luck. So now we have a process that actually gets that list of things that are pending approval because we found there were two parallel systems and the store manager actually had to do it twice. They had to go into the point of sale and approve the return. And then they had to go into another legacy system, which they hated to use because it's a green screen and it's a pain. So they were doing it once a week because they could get away with it. And then when we had this robot that was like, hey, where's my credit? <laughs> then we saw this gap in between the two things. And so we went and we talked to them and said, well, what can we do? Can we help you? So we began getting reporting out of the one system saying, these are ready and approved. And then the robot just goes and water chickens the second system and it's like, already done. And so we, we got that to be faster, making it possible for us to improve our credit card chargeback rate as well, because we stopped having unapproved credits. So we just took care of the service issue and that eliminated some of the work stream that was coming in. I love hearing those stories. It just brings it all to life when you hear those scenarios where people are doing things twice and going to six different systems. And you said green screen in there once or twice. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> When are we going to lose the green screens? Probably never. Someday. Probably. They're very Someday. stable. The, the very. robots love it. They're like, uh, I love this one. Yeah. <laughs> the robots love them. And I've learned that people coming out of college don't really want to work with green screens, but just let the robots handle all yeah. the interactions. All of it. Let, yeah. let, the, let the youngsters get the new, really leading edge stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Lisa, I'm going to ask you my crazy harebrained question here to wrap up our podcast conversation today. If you think about all the technology disruption, the emergence of Gen AI, just how fast things are changing in, in, our, in front of our eyes here. Imagine that you have a time machine that allows you to go out and visit Office Depot in the year 2030. What do you think will be the most remarkable achievement or transformation in the retail space through the adoption of intelligent automation from that future perspective? 
I, I do really believe that in the future, it may not even be that far away that we'll see a transformation because the, the needs of the retail landscape constantly change. Everything in that environment constantly shifts. And just what we experienced with COVID and how everything shut down and everything's coming back up, but everything looks different now because everybody's mindset has been changed. That fluctuation is going to continue. And what I see happening is, especially now that we have this artificial intelligent technology layer beginning to spread across the terrain, your customers are using that. So you have to use it and you need to be able to meet them where they're using it, continue to build a governance model and enable it to start functioning in your workspace. And I would love to see us have these digital employees that are interacting directly with customers, asking them questions, getting the information, and then only after, oh, I really can't help you. And maybe the person on the other end didn't even know I was not a real person. And then I can get that escalated to a person to have them help and solve that more difficult problem that maybe we've never encountered before. And we just get rid of all the nitty gritty, this happens every Tuesday type of thing and see the world just change that way. It would be fascinating. That's great. Jared, what are your thoughts? I think for me, I, uh, for, for our RPA program, what I would really love to see is for our team selling robots as a service and in a way becoming uh, a profit center or consulting team. Everything that is currently done is internal to Office Depot, but I think by providing external bots as a service, uh, I would love to, I have all kinds of customers. So us providing experience and proven solutions within uh, Office Depot to our external customers. I see a lot of opportunities to help customers reach their automation goals. Hmm. Okay, Michelle, how about you? I think we touched on one of the more interesting areas earlier with ChatGBT and how we can combine the technologies that we have. I think that's what's going to transform the, to the next level. We use RPA and this team does a great job when they evaluate a process. They don't just pick RPA. They will sometimes pick something as simple as a macro, right? Because it's like, yeah, your process just needs a macro. You don't need a whole robot to help you out. But the next level to me is combining more of the automation technologies. And like you said, the opportunities maybe between Blue Prism and ChatGBT, how can we get them working together more seamlessly? Right now, it's just starting off. And for me, I think in seven years, you're definitely going to see a ton more integration between the different tool sets. Well, those are all great answers to a, a pretty crazy question. But I do think it's fun to think forward. I mean, the pace of change is so rapid. I think we'll be blown away by what, what happens even in the next year. Michelle, Jared, and Lisa, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. It was a pleasure talking about the automation journey at Office Depot. You have a lot of great things going on there, a lot of momentum, and I wish you nothing but continued success. So thanks again and all the best. Thank you, Brad. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Transform Now. For more insightful discussions on digital transformation and more, check out our podcast channel where you'll find all of our previous episodes. And to make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. And if you like what you've heard, please leave us a review. For more information about digital transformation and the future of work, Check out blueprism.com to learn how SSNC Blueprism's digital workforce is enabling enterprise transformation now.